so so I was I was on a trip yesterday and I got a, a message on Instagram that said, Congrats, you are a potential winner Ooh. in the club jam holiday giveaway. Wait, the club jam? Yeah. Or club yeah, gym. Jam. J jam. Okay, jam. It. Not jelly, but jam. No. Okay. So they said provide your first name, last name, address, you know, <laughs> for verification. So I mm. did. And so this was from a verified account. So Club Jam verified. Club, Club Jam holiday giveaway. Do you want to guess what the prize that I will receive in the next eight weeks will be? Eight weeks Club Jam. Is it jam? No. Okay. Is Let me guess again. It's kind Club, of Club X Jam. No, it is not clothing. They are going to send me an e-gift card to Instacart and two boxes of club crackers that you buy in the grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) Two boxes worth a grand total of probably $8. Them just cleaning out their cupboards. (laughs) And they're like, let's send it to Carrie. It's unclear if they're expired. If they're... (laughs) But it's, it's... it's the green and yellow brand club crackers that you know and love from the grocery store. They have a green box, yellow lettering. They're just called club crackers. And I, in two months, will have two of these boxes mailed to my house. That but sounds- no jam. <laughs> and a, an Instacart gift card for an <laughs> undisclosed amount of money. Huh. Undefined. I think your bravery for sending them in your information earned you those prizes more than anything. Given my bounty of food, the corticopia that awaits me, maybe I'll share, yeah. but I don't know. You know who you could share those crackers with is the rats. We were So you were on a trip. You were up north, weren't you, this week? I was, yeah, I was in the great... Perry. The Great White North. How was Canada? It was cold. Why? (laughs) Did you say why? Yeah, I don't know why. I said why. I said why, and then I was like... Well, at at this point in the year, the the earth tips away from the sun on its axis, and that makes it cold. So, okay, so recap. You were on a trip to Canada. I was on a trip to Canada. A choice. Yeah, um, chilly. Were you in a city? I was. So were, the, were did you have any rat sightings? I didn't, but there was a, a mouse at the terminal at Logan Airport. Hey, local. Local and rodents. There was another person who I met on the trip who also flew in from Logan and who also saw a mouse and wasn't even on the same flight as me. So... That implies that this mouse has found a really good situation in Terminal E at Logan Airport. Well, you heard it here, folks. Go to Terminal E to see one mouse. We were reading, we was, I me, I was reading about like the Latin names for rats and mice. And apparently the ancient Romans, they didn't distinguish between the two species. And so the, what they call rats was Mus Maximus. And what they called mice was moose minimus. Oh, that's sweet. I know. I had a rat sighting in Boston, but it was a sad rat sighting. It's cold here too, but it there's so there's not a lot of rat action on the 
in the MBTA. Right. As I was waiting for the train, I heard a squeaking and I thought maybe there was a rat. And then I looked over and it was one of those like boxy rat cage murder things. And I'm pretty sure there was a rat inside squeaking and dying. Oh, no. I, yeah. That was pretty upsetting. There was nothing you could do to help, it sounds like. No, I know. What would I have to? I would have to jump down on the tracks, go That's over risky. to the. Yeah, they don't like that. That's risky. Yeah. Open the thing somehow. I don't know. And then I don't know how it kills the rat. Speaking of animals on train tracks, this is yeah. a rat, but there was a bull that got loose on the train tracks in Newark, New Jersey. I thought you were going to say in Spain or something. No. Newark, New no. Jersey? There there was a bull just running down the train tracks and they caught it and <laughs> to a local animal sanctuary. And I'm still not clear if like, where did it come from? Where is it going? Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? <laughs> or whose who's bull was loose? Why was it I'm in New Jersey? I'm looking at a picture of it. Yeah. It's got really big horns. This happened today. It was like a longhorn. Yeah situation not a rat but you gotta wonder about the rats in the subway what how do they react to a bull on the train tracks well this is actually a perfect transition to my rat news article about rats on the subway system in new york city of course it'll come up a lot but the headline is rats rule the new york city subway system and these stations are their strongholds and it tells us which subway stations have the most rats because transit app which is a lovely commuter tool has a new feature that lets you report how many rats you see in a station which is very cute yes we don't have that in boston yet but so if you are in a subway station it asks you are there rats in this train station and you can hit so many and the icon is a little rat which is smart (laughs) one or two and the icon is a slice of pizza referencing of course pizza rat rat. yeah um and then none which is like a sparkly symbol what Uh, very simple if you see a rat king i think that's when you there's like an alarm you probably pull then you're black i mean i mean must be so many you would hope that doesn't right yeah that sounds pretty fantastic though do you want to know what the what the most ratty stations of uh, new york city are okay i do i i'm curious is there a um, consistent borough that or a so specific neighborhood? I also kind of made an assumption that they'd be sort of like lower Manhattan. I think, yeah. I don't know why, but I feel like that's where the rats hang out. Um, I'm an ex-New Yorker. District. Financial district. Nice. High five. Zing. Take that. So 40% of subway trips in the past month when this article was written, which is probably a while ago, reported rats. And so here they are, the top 10 most ratty stations. Uh, 191st Street, which is the Bronx. Grand Avenue, which is Brooklyn. 137 St. City College, which is the Bronx. Great Kills, which I cannot find on a map, but feels like the Bronx. And then the Bowery. And then Kingston Thorp Avenues, Brooklyn, 149th Street, Grand Concourse, Bronx, 181 Street. Nobody's ever said 181 Street like I just said it, but I, I feel strongly about you that. You patent it now. Which is the Bronx. Yeah, thank you. That's how we say it now. The Bronx. And then Kingsbridge Road and Woodhaven Boulevard, which are, I think, in Brooklyn and Queens, respectively. And if anyone listens to this podcast and 
points out that I don't know anything about these stations. Um, they're right, but it's pretty evenly spread. I got very excited because it means that the rats are really finding places but, everywhere. Yeah. yeah, you would think like, well, maybe there's there's a hot spot or maybe there's a rat hub yes. at a particular collective of stations, but it sounds quite evenly distributed. What I like about rats is they are like, they make their home wherever. Yeah. And they'll spread out and they will enjoy themselves. There's something that I think we can all learn from that. I, I'd be curious too, like what what is it about those stations that is appealing? Or is it really just a, a reflection of the fact that rats are everywhere? And I, I, I was <laughs> thinking that too. It's like, are the stations filled with food? Are the stations like bigger or lower or something or is it just that the people at those stations are really into rats like yeah. like you and I are yeah like actively looking and hunting and re- reporting reporting yeah yeah i kind of feel I, like there there are people there's like my a gamified thing. way of riding the subway yes it like, keeps it interesting yeah i'm really excited to see where this this goes to see if there's more and more rats after of course the rat czar was hired Well, if you want to know about a place where rats are very easily found, I could share a little bit of rat news from the other side of the world in Australia. Uh, This is an article from BBC News that describes the rat plague that's spreading to Australia's fishing towns. So apparently thousands of rats, both dead and alive, have started getting swept up onto the beach in Queensland, Australia. The ones that are living are wreaking havoc. They're chewing through electronics in cars. They're breaking into animal cages. They're stealing duck eggs. (laughs) They're so specific. Yeah. What what caged animals does it? Oh, it's a lot of ducks. Yeah, I don't. The duck central of Australia. That was another another question: is why? Why are we keeping ducks in cages? But (laughs) you know, maybe there's there's a scenario where you would do that. Apparently, this whole thing um, is cyclical. Another article from the Washington Post describes how this explosion in the rat population happens about every three to 17 years, usually in response to rainfall. So it's a very particular type of rat called a long haired rat. And these long haired rats eat predominantly plants. So whenever there's a a surge in wet weather and a lot of foliage and plants and things like that, they just thousands upon thousands end up coming into Australia and getting born and reproducing and all of that. So apparently this has happened before. The last big explosion in rat population happened about 12 years ago. Right, every three to 17 years, you said. Yeah, Yeah, like cicadas, but less reliable. It's just whenever it rains torrentially, expect like a flood of rats too. Okay, so I have so many many things. So one, I'm looking at a picture of the long-haired rat and it is beautiful. It looks like a gerbil mixed with a rat. It's like- They're not small. Two or three times the length of a mouse. That's not bad. I'll take that. Yeah. As a, as a friend? Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's number one. Handsome rat. Probably better looking than the ones we have. In I, the I would guess, yes. So now, does this mean because of climate change? And do they are they also having more rain in Australia? And does that mean there's going to be more long-haired rats? I would imagine. 
But this year, I believe, was an artifact or a, a consequence of La Nina. So they've had a lot of rain lately because of that. And and that's that's one of the reasons why these rats have been reproducing like crazy. Well, I mean, who wouldn't? If In you rain? are warm and you have duck eggs and you're cute, yep. why not make more rats? It also says it's native. Yes. So that's nice. Yes. Because... A lot of our rats in America are not native. No. Of course, they're brought from other countries via humans. So who's the, who's the real invader? Not the rats. No. I mean, technically the rats too, but not their fault. I love this rat. Yeah. This yeah. is. I know this is probably annoying for this town and for the duck population, but I think this is great news for rats. I'll, I'll read you a quote from um, a resident from one of the towns that's being impacted by the rat plague said, quote, mate, there's rats everywhere. He added that his pet ducks had been going mad as rats broke into their cages. I think there's a whole side story about the rat, the, the duck cage situation. Pet ducks in cages doesn't suggest a friendly relationship that that suggests a commerce situation yeah yes uh, or the ducks are aggressive well that i i mean between a rat and a duck that's actually a fight that i not that i really want violence between animals i want animals to be happy especially rats ducks too i guess but that fight would be very interesting yeah who do you think would win i'm really thinking about it i mean i think if it was a norway rat like a subway rat we have here, I would put all the odds on the rat of yes. America. But this little baby looks timid and shy. And I and I don't know that. And I feel like an Australian duck is like a real asshole. That may be. I, you know, we've been talking about ducks in Australia. And I realize I'm not sure what we're dealing with in terms of size. What if the duck in Australia is the real invasive species and the rats are native in this whole, I mean, I kind of, I'm a little offended that they called it a, a plague. It's yeah. not really a plague. Yeah. It's just nature being awesome. It's a psych, it's the circle of rat life. It's the seven, it no, the three to 17 year cycle of rat versus duck. Yes. Life. Exactly. Exactly. I'm, pr- I'm very into this rat. I think this may be like my, one of my top three rats. The long of hair. All time. Oh, God. Justin just wrote, the rats are decolonizing Australia. What a yes. great thing to say. Thank <laughs> yes. you. See, I'm glad. You know, they really are. They're doing their best. So I'm deeply interested in history and especially in strange history. So I wanted to learn a little bit about rats in the 19th century. Hey. So, so <laughs> what I want to talk a little bit about is uh, Victorian rat catchers. Oh my God, so, yes. So this is what I am planning on doing for a career if my current line of work goes up in smoke. Or if this podcast doesn't or if this podcast carry us through. Yeah. Doesn't make us billionaires. Yeah. So with, this is option three. For yes. You, yeah. Just to be clear. Okay, cool. Definitely plan C. Victorian rat catchers. Um, we're, we're talking about like 19th century London. These guys are completely inextricable from the industrial revolution and the rapid urbanization and growth of technology that 
all kind of contributed to a whole lot of crowding and congestion in London. Because of all of the people there and all of the growth and the infrastructure of the city, London in the 19th century was basically rat heaven. So they would live in sewers, they would eat trash, they had super easy access to food and hiding places in Good. the densely packed cities in Britain, especially London. And uh, there were also a lot of stories of rats getting into Buckingham Palace. So... Uh, a lot of the stories about rat catchers in Victorian England have to do with the official rat catcher of the queen. I believe his name was Jack Black. Um, wait, there was one guy. There was wait, one wait, guy. Wait, wait, wait. Just to pause queen. for one second. Yeah. So what you're telling me is this is a story about one guy who was the rat catcher in Buckingham Palace during Victoria's reign. And his name was Jack Black. Just so we're clear. So that is a side story. He is just <laughs> okay. one example. We could, we could definitely talk about him at a later date. Just but I want to talk about another rat catcher. I only raised Jack Black because it was a real problem. The fact that they had basically a royal rat catcher is a <laughs> sign that rats are an issue in Victorian London. Dying. So what, what I want to drill into a little bit is some of these rat catchers wrote like memoirs and advice <gasps> books about catching rats and how to do the job well and they actually talk about some of the benefits of the job um, and some of the drawbacks too so I can definitely we could unpack like why some people really love doing this kind of work but it's a passion so there, there's one book that's by a guy named Uncle James that's just called the rat exclamation point um, so he's one of them. Um, Why is he just called Uncle James Carey? It's a Victorian <laughs> it's a thing. Question. It's you know, was his first name Uncle? Is yeah. that just his title? Like Doctor? Can you be Doctor Uncle James? Doctor Uncle James. He is to me now. I'll yeah. I'll, I'll send you the book over in case you'd like to read it. There's a lot of exclamation points in it, so. Um, it's it's not easy to read because it's it just feels like he's shouting about yeah, rats. I would time. get too excited reading. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like an Archie comic. All of it the is. all of the lines are exclamation marks. Yeah. But there's another book by this guy named Ike Matthews. It's called Full Revelations of a Professional Rat Catcher. It, <laughs> it came out in 1898. It's based on his 25 year career as a rat catcher. Wow. And it's it's kind of meandering. It's it's sort no. of musings about how to catch rats, the benefits and drawbacks of catching versus killing, and all of the different methods therein. Wow. But it's also a story of like what it's like to be a rat catcher, how you work with customers, what are the benefits and drawbacks of the job. So I thought we could hear a little bit from Ike about what being a 19th century British rat catcher was really like oh if you're game to to learn about that. Yeah. I like Justin, if you could find some like Victorian music to like play in the back of this when Carrie reads it, that would be great. I, I don't know if this is appropriate, but Faye, what do you think what do you think the benefits of being a 19th century rat catcher look like? <sighs> the benefits of being a 19th century rat catcher are obviously respect from the neighborhood you have the opposite schedule of everybody because everyone's awake during the day, but you're awake at night and all the, the opposite, opposite commuting. trash you can eat. Those are the benefits. 
I mean, you ain't totally wrong. <laughs> so, okay. so it's it's a little bit of a mixed bag from what Ike describes. He first sort of calls it rat catching is not a trade. It's it also is a profession that requires quote much learning and courage. So he sees it as like a calling and not just a job you have. Not everybody is called to catch rats. So we should all be so lucky to have a vocation like that. To have I, a calling. Yeah. Amazing. Ike, love you. Yeah. He he was clearly called to it if he spent 25 years perfecting his craft of raft of rat catching. Wow. You know, he he lamented some of the challenges of it. You know, it's certainly not easy work. And catching a rat is actually quite difficult because they're quite cunning. They know how to evade and avoid. Both. But one of the, yeah, they can evade and avoid. <laughs> um, he goes on in this, in this kind of musing tale of his experience, this memoir, that there are inconveniences that a rat catcher has to put up with. One of those inconveniences, he says, is the only time you can catch rats with a good result is at night. You 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 kind of describe that as a benefit, but to Ike, that's that's a drawback. So yeah. do, well, do you depends. mean nocturnal? No, I, I you know I don't, but I imagine that if you're a person who's interested in rats, that's just kind of where you'd want to be. And I think if I didn't have little kids or a day job and like maybe the right kind of pants, I would be out in the tunnels looking for rats at night, but it's just not my vocation like Ike's, but I do feel bad because yeah, it seems like he probably misses a lot of daytime stuff. So he also calls out a specific challenge on, on being out in the night. He said on one occasion when he was examining his traps and he was arrested because the police thought he was a burglar and they didn't let him go until he showed them the rats. <laughs> he had to take them around to the traps and show them that he was actually catching rats. <laughs> I thought you were going to say they thought he was Jack the Ripper, which didn't make any sense, but that's where I, I thought mean, that was going. Did they? So, I, well, I guess that worked. It that, did. And yeah. they, they were actually so fascinated with his work that they all started helping him. And he brought oh. in other police officers to also help look for rats. I mean. You know, so, you this... know, you can you can make friends, which I think is a really unstated benefit. I agree. I feel I feel like we're reading between the lines there. Yes, Ike was lonely at night, and now he's got all these unstable friends. Yep. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yep. It's a love story. And he he mentions like after that he he would tell the police station like, hey, I'm not a burglar. I'm looking for rats. Okay, so don't arrest me. I like that it's part of his routine. Just yeah. stopping by the. The station. So it's good advice. You know. yep. the oh, that's one, right. He's giving advice too. We should, yes. should be writing this down. Well, this we're is all very tactical. Like the book is meant to be super tactical. It's meant to kind of acquaint you with the benefits and drawbacks of being a rat catcher and also give you some advice about how to actually catch rats. Love it. Which is the bulk of the book. And it's, you know, frankly, not super interesting unless you want to drill deep into you know the benefits of ferreting and how to how to arrange traps and what kind of what ratio of sawdust to oatmeal you need whoa yeah it's very in-depth but there is one other drawback that he he describes which is sometimes you have to carry the rats with you 
from one place to another after you after you trap them because you don't right. want to let them loose right by where you trap them from. So he said, "Wait, quote, these are live rats, Carrie." Yes. Did he so transporting? Okay. Sometimes he would kill them. And right. he would say, you know, in some cases you can use poison, but there are risks to that because if they get into the food supply or the drinking water, then people are at risk. People hate that when they're poisoned. His whole toolkit of catching rats is a range of using dogs, using ferrets, using manual traps with feed. There's a whole bevy of options if you're looking to address a rat issue. In the cases where he's trapping them and removing them from whatever premises they were inhabiting, he mentions that sometimes he's had to ride the train with cages of rats on his person. <laughs> and he said that the passengers uh, in the cars, here's, here's a quote from him, one or two of whom would generally object to live rats being in the same compartment. I mean, generally object. I feel like so they I, were so nice about it, though. They were just like, oh, I'm really sorry, but I know you have a job. But is there any way that you could take your rats somewhere To else? a different car. Yeah. I Not mean, to be a bother. He is clear to say it's only one or two of the passengers in the carriage. So... Uh. There's not a bad ratio, honestly. No. I feel like most no. people were like, there's the rat man. He's just doing his work. And then one person has to ruin it. And then he's like so hurt. He puts it in the book. Yeah. God, why would they just leave Ike alone? After 25 years, too, he's got to be well-established and well-known as like one of the quintessential rat catchers of Victorian England. I would, I would love a statue of him, but just like in a tunnel in the subway. In or the, in the sewer. Or in the sewer. Although Among he is the enemy to the rats. So maybe putting a yeah. statue where the rats live would be a little rude. But he didn't kill them all. So he, no. he, he kept them alive sometimes. He kept them alive. And sometimes he would release them far away. Other times, this wow. is a tangent that I don't know a whole lot about. But apparently other times he would bring them to... Uh, to clients who required rats to train their dogs and would use them in what are called rat pits, <laughs> which is basically think of a dog fighting pit, but oh. with rats and a dog killing yeah. the rats. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I'm speaking a little bit out of turn, but it describes pit. the rat pit story in the book. I have so many mixed feelings about that because I do love terriers and ratters. As you know, I had a ratter for a long time, my little yeah. schnauzer Gus, and he loved to chase the squirrels. And I liked that's part of who they are. And I want them to have that, the dogs, I mean. But it does feel kind of messed up to yes. save a rat just to put it in a pit and then turn a dog on it. But somehow, I don't know, at least it, at least it has a fighting chance in the pit, like the rat yeah. could escape, I guess. Frida, my my current dog, got into a fight with a squirrel the other day and got a big slash across her nose. Dang. Um, so she could have used some of that pit training. She's okay, it's healing. They said that if it was a white scar, we'd have to put some block on it, but so far it's okay. Looks like it's going to heal. Who would have thought but, that a squirrel would fight back like that? I know, pretty impressive squirrel, actually. Yeah. Didn't I'm see impressed it. she caught it, though, because squirrels are fast. It. There were tail pieces 
uh, yard. I didn't feel great about that either, but she is a dog. If you bring a dog to a place where there's rodents, the dog and the rodents are going to get into a scrape yeah. or in a pit. I'm fascinated yeah. that. So he just let some of them go. Yes. And he also used ferrets. Did I guess I kind of knew that ferrets were part of sometimes catching rats, yes. but um that method is called ferreting. <laughs> I believe. I like, <laughs> I like it when it's a name that it says exactly what it is, like rat pit yes. ferreting. Yes. And it makes it's me happy. very clear. So we've talked a little bit about the the drawbacks that Ike mentioned, mm. but do you want to hear a bit about the benefits? Oh my God, Carrie, literally there's nothing I'd rather hear than the benefits of being a rat catcher in Victorian England. So he immediately sells it by saying, I don't think the rat catcher's life is one of the worst. <laughs> but it's like so, a classically understated British statement, right? It's, it's like, so because you can't brag. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, things were very bad then in Victorian times. So it was not ideal. No, but he he mentions like kind of similar to what you said earlier. Like you're your own boss (laughs) and (laughs) you only need to, you know, work when you want. And he says, (laughs) there's no summons to work as a factory bell. So it's not like you're in a nine to five. You're basically freelancing. You work when you want. But okay. I, so Yes, you work when you want. Your coworkers are a variety of dogs or ferrets. Yes. Cages, potentially sawdust. But so I guess you'll maybe you'll get into this, but how does Ike make money? That's a great question. There's a whole section on the finances, too. Okay. I'm sorry. Well, no, let's put a pin in that. Please continue with the benefits. I just got concerned for him because I was yes. like, well, wait. Yeah. Oh, he's doing quite fine for okay, himself. Okay, good. Okay. So one one of the benefits is, of course, you you are your own boss. Um, and he also mentions that, you know, if you want to take a day trip out to the countryside to just enjoy the, the sights and get out in nature, you can also just bring with you your dog and your ferrets and turn your vacation into a money-making operation. Oh, my God. So, He's like... Like the original hustler. Like this yeah. is amazing. He's just yeah. he's monetizing his oh, yeah. hobbies. Oh yeah. God, I love that. I love this man. He he's really a hustler. He's an entrepreneur. Yes. He says, you know, if I'm going out into the the woods, I might as well bring my dog and my ferret with me and catch some rats and hand them on over to the rat pit people. Oh, the rat pit people pay for the rats. Yes. So there's like multiple angles to the business operation. Some people buy the live rats. Others want them removed from their facilities. So Pied Piper style. Get rid of the rats. It's really quite an impressive business model in that case. Because you earn from the folks that you're removing the rats from. And you earn from the folks that you're giving the rats to. <gasps> I didn't even think about that. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's the opposite of a pyramid scheme because there's money on both ends. Yes. Like you're getting paid by Peter and you're getting paid by Paul. And then you're just sitting in the middle with your dogs and your ferrets and probably a, a pie or whatever they ate in Victorian England. That's brilliant. Isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And then he gets into the finances. So, oh, here we go. One thing that I wasn't thinking about is he says, when you think about the expenses of being a rat catcher, it's very heavy. If we're talking annual costs, okay, 
He says at least five pounds annually. Remember, we're 1898 for the wear and tear of traps alone. Then there's wear and tear on your nets because that's another trapping model. There's dog licenses. Damn. Um, Damn the man. You have to take care of three or four ferrets. And he says in parentheses, your ferrets often get lost down drains or are killed by rats. So there's the replacement cost of your ferrets. Good Lord. This is like the Australian ducks all over again. Like, why are you losing your ferrets? Apparently a lot of rats hide, hide in the pipes and the, the sewers and yeah, the know, like warm and wet and they sawed off. Yeah. Hide and be relatively safe because there's not a whole lot else down there. Ferret joins the rats. Yeah. I mean, I if I were a ferret and I was being put to work and I wasn't being compensated for my labor, I would mm-hmm. join a rat community. Yes, a rat union, a rodent union Yes, in the sewers. I would too. I would too. Especially if I could just be replaced like like that. Like it's just just a cost. What about the emotional cost, Ike? What about that ferret that was your friend and now it's gone? Does he He talk about that? He does not. Mm -hmm. I think he sees these these animals largely as capital. Yeah. So capital in, capital out kind of turning an ike a little bit here but that's okay all right no, so what other what other expenses qualities yeah other expenses he says store cages etc mm. so all of the you know the the cage that you need to take it on the train and get dirty looks from people yeah he goes on in a different section about what the best bag is if you're catching rats in bags I think that there are other methods of transporting these rats around. Um, so he really is. He's kind of doing one rat at a time, isn't he? It doesn't seem like a model that scales. Okay. That's for sure. He occasionally layers in some conversation about his incredible exploits of on this one adventure, I caught 150 rats. On this other trip, my ferret caught five rats alone. There are some cases where he's just completely putting away huge populations of rats, but he doesn't talk about that too much outside of those individual stories. Okay. So he's uh, not a braggart. He no. really is just trying to share information. He, this is a very informative kind of book. Um, okay. I'm back on team Mike. The best thing about the financial model that he says, and this is another big benefit that he talks about. He says rat catching is a business where there isn't an expectation that you sell your services on credit. Basically, what that means is there's not really a good scenario for somebody to say, oh, I'll pay you after the job is done. I'll charge it essentially to my credit card or whatever existed as the credit card, and I'll pay you in a month. So this is like cash on rat delivery. Basically cash, yes. And he says... It's a very, very cash-heavy trade. There's not a lot of competition. You can always catch a good price for your work. And you always have one option if you finish a job, if somebody disputes the price or if somebody declines to pay. He says, quote, you have the expedient of letting the rats at liberty again in the place where you caught them. Yes. If they don't pay, just let them loose. Yes. Oh, that's another great reason to keep them alive. Yes. This is like, this is, he took the Pied Piper story. He 
he figured out how to deal with people who don't want to pay and he found a much better solution than stealing people's kids. He did. I love Ike. I'm sold. I would like to be a rat catcher right now. I, you know, there's, there's a lot more where that comes from as far as advice on, you know, once you decide that this is the vocation of choice, um, when do you decide to poison versus trap? Uh, what is the best method of catching rats if you decide to trap? What are the different rat types and what methods are best for which? Because he goes on to say how violent they are. When the when two rats fight, he says they fight like two bulldogs. <laughs> so when two animals fight, they fight like two other animals. <laughs> yes. Yep. That's great. Good job. Good job, Mike. And he's a better rat catcher than a writer, maybe. I, you know, I think that's right. And we all have our strengths. Some of the last bits of advice that he gives is if you want to transport a rat, you you can use a, a bag. But the bag has to be strong because he says you'll probably get charged with something or arrested if rats break open at a railway station out in public while you're trying to get it somewhere else. So another negative part of this job seems to be you get arrested a bit. Yeah. Just trying to do your job. And it like he said, a couple run ins. Like the cops are super keen on this profession operating in the way that Ike is operating. It is funny that he's just getting on the train with the rats. I mean, I'm not trying to like lay blame on people. I don't know what his life is, but, and and I think the train culture is probably a big thing. Trains were new. I know that it's very exciting, but like it is a little odd that he's just riding on the trains yeah. with pages of rats. Especially, now that I'm thinking about it. you know, he describes as holding a bag of rats that includes 40 or 50 rats together. <laughs> it's the rat king. You know, it's it's a, a big old bundle of rats that you're bringing on a train. So yeah. no wonder people are upset about it. Yeah, I would and be if upset they're living, about it. they're making sounds, biting each other. They're fighting not quiet. Each other. They're fighting each other like two bulldogs, like fifty bulldogs in a rat pit. Yes, yes. <laughs> wow, this is so. Is this this is a book that we can that I can purchase? No, it's in the public domain. Um, oh, yeah. So you can That's find it for free on Google Books. You. And you well, can learn all about, you know, how to how to tackle the rat issue wherever you are. I love it. Maybe someday we'll have some sort of like website and we could put a link to the book on there so people can read it for themselves and decide if they want something? to. Yeah, I think this is wonderful. And now that I'm thinking about it, possibly illegal because he definitely was not doing things that police officers liked. But I like that more. I do like that they eventually helped him out. Yeah, like, some of them me, did. Let me yeah. get in on this. Yeah, let me get in on this. Yes. This As our silent producer just mentioned that maybe they were trying to get a little rat money on the side. That may be. Yeah. That may be. Well, that was great. Thank you. I really feel invigorated, uh, thrilled, full of joy. You're uh, very welcome. Yeah. And remember, it's not just a trade. It's a vocation. <laughs>